hello, and welcome in to episode number 40 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. That's right. You did not mishear me. Episode number 40, the big 4-0. We made it. What a milestone. They say 40 is the new 30. Unless you've done 40 podcast episodes, then 40 is 40 because that's a lot of podcast episodes to do. And I want to bask in the accomplishment. And I also want to thank you, the listeners, because, uh, you know, these podcasts that we do here at OutSports, our OutSports podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, we put them out every day of the week, even on the weekends, this one, every Saturday, hello, hello, for 40 weeks now. These podcasts are truly our babies. I mean, they really are just us. We do it ourselves. We record, we book the guests, we edit, we promote, we often write stories that correspond with the episodes. We do it all. So it is immensely gratifying when we see the download numbers and see that, oh yeah, people are listening to these. And I don't have nearly that many family and certainly friends. So that means people I don't know are listening, which is always cool and always great. So uh, 40 episodes down. Another 40 to go, as they say, and uh, hopefully more than that, many more than that. But uh, we go back to our roots a bit this week in honor of episode number 40. No, not in, ep- not in honor of episode number 40, but we do go back to our roots this week. This is called the Sports Kiki Podcast, even though uh, we sometimes, if not oftentimes, don't talk about sports. I write about that a lot during the week. We let our hair down a little bit on the weekends, but this week... We go to sports because I think uh, a really big study, an important study, was published on OutSports this week. Three researchers reviewed 60 coming out stories of male athletes that were published on OutSports in 2016. And they found that their teammates were overwhelmingly accepting of them. So that is such a huge finding for a multitude of reasons, and let me read the uh, let me read the current the, the exact wording for you. The study shows, nearly without fail, a familiar pattern in the stories. Male athletes are afraid to come out to their teammates, but when they do, they are nearly universally met with acceptance. The handful of accounts of negative reactions came almost exclusively from places outside of sports, including family members and other classmates. And even in those stories. Four of the 60, or about 7%, they found that the athletes still said they had overall a positive experience. Three researchers worked on this. We're speaking with one of them. I should say I am speaking with one of them. I hate the royal we. But you won't hate this interview. Royal, uh, Rory McGrath uh, joins me in a few moments to talk about these findings and what it says about the wrong perception, very wrong perception, about the acceptance level that we see in male team sports. Because it's wrong. This study proves it. Our stories that we publish every week prove it. The sports world is accepting of LGBTQ people. And the male team sports world is accepting and more accepting than ever of LGBTQ people. Want proof? Talk to those who have done it and competed at the highest levels. This week, Colin Martin, who you may remember just last month, went through a nasty homophobic incident where an opponent called him a homophobic slur on the field. He said this week in an interview with The Advocate, 
there has never been a better time to come out as an athlete. Never been a better time. And after that homophobic incident, want to know about the support that Martin received? His team, the San Diego Loyal, boycotted the rest of the game and thus cost themselves a playoff berth. They forfeited to stand up for him, their gay teammate. Martin actually said in the article the support he received and continues to receive after the incident hammered that home to him that there's never been a better time to come out. And we've talked before on the show and we've written about before this perception of the dark evil world of male team sports especially at these high pro levels and in England in the tabloids they have all these stories about the closeted Premier League players it's garbage it's garbage is there still a lot of work to do absolutely but the environment is so much more accepting and so much more inclusive than it was and people who don't focus on that are doing a disservice they're doing a disservice I look at Lindale Johnson, who's a men's tennis player, athlete, ally, ambassador. He's become a model and an actor as well. Um, He had an interview recently in a publication called Instinct Magazine and like just stuff like this. So he's asked, first of all, if he's experienced homophobia in his athletic career. And he says, it did happen during my junior career and I kept it moving, but not during my professional career. If it happened, it would have been behind closed doors or too subtle for me to notice. Hmm, okay. So then he's asked a few questions later if the world has changed and the sports world is more accepting of gay people. He says nothing has changed. People are just more vocal and proud to be homophobic in public, which is really effed up. And he goes on to talk about how religion plays a huge role, in particular Christianity, and I'm not going to give the rest of that oxygen. You can read it if you would want. But how can you say on one hand, nope, never experienced homophobia in my professional career as an out gay man, and then say, well, nothing has changed. People are actually just more vocal and more proud to be homophobic now than ever before. How can those things be true? Something does not add up. So we need to push back against this narrative that the sports world and male team sports world is not welcoming to gay athletes. It's just not true. Anecdotally, it's not true by the stories that we publish on Outsports. And now it's backed up by research. And we bring on one of those researchers, Rory McGrath. He's from the UK. He's kind enough to join us. He's on the other side. It's a Sports Kiki, episode number 40. And welcome back to the Sports Kiki podcast. And joining us, uh, not on the phone right now, but via uh, Uber conference, we have Dr. Rory McGrath, who is an associate professor of equality and diversity in the UK. He was uh, one of the three researchers who uh, spearheaded this study about gay athletes and acceptance that we were talking about earlier in the show. Uh, Rory, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Alex. Good to be here. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's great to talk with you. Um, I mentioned at the opening of the show to introduce the listeners to this, so let's dive a little more into it. Uh, you and two other researchers reviewed 60 coming out stories of male athletes, uh, all of which were published on OutSports. Uh, you found that male athletes are overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly accepting of gay teammates. But before we talk about the findings, let's first talk about the logistics. Uh, What propelled you to conduct this study? 
Uh, yeah, um, so uh, I should also give a nod to my co uh, my co authors, my co researchers, Adam White and uh, Luis uh, Morales. So the three of us started a project. In fact, Adam and Luis started a project uh, longer ago than you might think. It was about three years ago, I think. Um, and it was part of a broader project on the representation of LGBT athletes in sports media. Um, and this was, you know, what, what they did and I kind of um, worked alongside them with was a um, was part of a broader project on this. Um, and so it was, you know, investigating the kind of uh, as what we kind of saw the the, the various perceptions that in this context gay male athletes had versus the the actual reality they had post coming out um, and so part of a broader project focused on you know general representation of LGBT folk in sports media and the, the three of us uh, worked together after the initial project which is also published in, a, in an edited collection of mine um, because we realized that actually there's a, a, an awful lot more to to, to the initial research than we thought, which is why we then came together to, uh, as, as a three, uh, as, as a team of three, to produce a, a, a further, re, a more in-depth research project in uh, in this area. Yeah, and, and and what gave you that first inclination that the perception doesn't match up with reality in terms of gay acceptance among sports and male team sports in particular? Well, I've been a researcher in the field for coming up to a decade now. Um, my my primary research concerns are actually uh, on football or soccer, as you guys would yeah. call it over in the yep. US. Yep. Um, and uh, I felt when I first entered the field, there was there was virtually no research whatsoever on the kind of relationship between soccer and sexuality. Um, and I kind of followed on from my PhD advisor at the time, um, Eric Anderson. And uh, who, who obviously kind of paved the way, really, in terms of the contemporary research between sport and sexuality. Um, and so I was a, I've been a researcher in the field for a long time, and, and, and working on this kind of project on outsports was was really part of, a, I guess, a broader narrative of, of research that I've conducted, um, as have Adam, as have Luis, over the past few years. Um, and and what we often find uh, in this in this kind of area whether or not we're looking at um, stories on out sports whether or not we're looking at um, you know whether or not we're speaking directly with gay male athletes is that um, this perception versus reality narrative is is one which is worthy of consideration you know worthy of greater attention because sports still have this this really negative image this real really strong stigma attached to them um, and part of the time, you know, that's absolutely justified. And, you know, we've seen various examples of of broader issues of discrimination um, alongside homophobia and transphobia and so on. Um, but a lot of the time we, we don't give sports enough credit for um, for how inclusive they are. Um, and I know our sports have been a, a really strong proponent of. Uh, of providing LGBT athletes with this platform to, to share their stories in a positive way. Um, and so this was part really of a, um, I guess, um, a, a broader body of work that, that I've worked on, um, as have many others over the past uh, decade or so in my case. Yeah. And so, and so let's talk about the findings. I mentioned them earlier, but let's go through them with you since you were uh, one of the researchers on the study. So you looked at 60 coming out stories published on Outsports in 2016 um, and you found only four of the 60 athletes included some form of negative reaction to coming out in some corner of their lives, less than 7%, and they still described it as a positive experience. So 
Um, take us through the findings and were you surprised by them? Um, so I'll answer the second question first. I mean, yeah. I wasn't surprised um, when, you know, I mean, the fact that we focused on um, the year of 2016 gives you an idea of, of when this research project kind of started. Um, right. And so, uh, you know, three or four years ago. And um, I wasn't surprised that we we found the vast majority of these athletes reporting, you know, broadly positive stories. Um, again, partly because, um, you know, I've been engaged in the field for an awfully long time and the vast majority, if not all of the research in this area, points towards this um, <laughs> this shift towards inclusivity um, over the past uh, almost two decades now, certainly since the turn of the millennium. Right. Um, and in terms of the, the findings themselves of the project, I think we focused on uh, four main areas. And again, these are largely consistent with with broader um, projects and, and broader, more academic research. Um, first of all was um, this this finding that um, for, for many of the athletes that we investigated, um, they spoke of kind of adapting or adopting a particular image, um, if, you, if you like, a, a heteromasculine type image, so that they could fit into the broader macho masculine culture of team right. sport. Um, so in some ways, I guess that's not really a surprise. Um, you know, again, talking about this idea that, that sport has an image problem, uh, it, it's perhaps unsurprising that we might refer to um, to athletes engaging right. or, or um, uh, exhibiting certain behaviours um, to, to maybe avoid the, the risk. Um, and like I said, this isn't a particularly new finding. Eric Anderson um, found this way back in in 2005 um but obviously it's still the case today um and so the first finding was was really one of um you know gay men adapting um adopting a particular image to to try and fit in with the masculine or macho culture of sport um and then you get this second finding which was you know they they came out to teammates um and when they came out to teammates they were in the main Broadly, and uh, sorry, they were um, positively received. You know, they had these story, these inclusive narratives um, of, uh, you know, teammates accepted them irrespective of their sexual orientation, which obviously is absolutely fantastic. Um, again, not surprising for me, but also absolutely fantastic that you know you you, you we're seeing these, yeah. we're reading, I guess, about these really positive narratives, um, and also that are consistent with. Um, with other research in the area or other research in the field as well. So, you know, again, this disconnect between the, the way in which these men behave because they're trying to avoid this potentially negative stigma. But when they've kind of taken the plunge, if you like, and, and come out to teammates, their teammates have been far more acceptant and inclusive and positive in their attitudes than, um, uh, than our sample actually kind of thought they would be. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so and then there's you know the couple of other findings which again are consistent perhaps with um, some of the, the other stories that have been published on outsports and also broader scholarly studies, which has shown that um, at least again for the vast majority of the men in our sample, they were um, uh, that they spoke of having a, a, a kind of a more positive. Uh, mental state. You know their mental health improved, um, and I guess that's not really a surprise because. Ultimately, we know that LGBT folk are disproportionately more likely to suffer from mental health issues. But post coming out, it was a, um, with their teammates at least, 
it was a um, a transformative, that's the word I was thinking of, a transformative experience. And their their teammates were so positive and inclusive and supportive that it was it was a, it had a, a significantly positive knock on effect for for their mental health. Um, and um, again, it's consistent with research, which tells us that um, that post coming out and having a positive and inclusive experience, mental health improves. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and um, and, and you know, and I think that's such an important piece about how, and we talk about this all the time that you know every gay person or LGBTQ person generally has some sort of anxiety prior to coming out about how they'll be perceived, how they'll be received. That's natural. But, you know, something that we push back against at Outsports and why we love running these coming out stories is, you know, like in the UK, you have a series of tabloid stories all the time about Premier League players pushed by Amal Fashion and others that talk about the closeted experience and the fear, but they don't talk about the second part, the post coming out, which we focus on and which your study focused on, where again, overwhelmingly, you know, it's, it's a positive experience. So, you know, I feel like that really does a disservice that kind of coverage that focuses on, you know, the closet experience and those very real fears, but then not looking at what happens on the other side of it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I think that, um, the, the kind of coverage, certainly, certainly the kind of coverage that we get over here in the UK, um, you know, with, with certain tabloid, uh, newspapers, um, is certainly a reason why, why we haven't got as many perhaps out athletes in the in, in elite sports. Um, and you mentioned obviously the, the Premier League as being really the peak of, of professional sports here in the UK, uh, certainly in England at least. Um, and, you know, as a closeted uh, player, the, the kind of response and the, the kind of representation of uh, or speculation or sensationalism, if you like, that the tabloid newspapers are pushing on this kind of story is is indicative of um, of this kind of salaciousness as, as associated right. with all male athletes, um, and so obviously our sample was was in the main non elite athletes. So there's obviously a bit of a disconnect, um, uh, a little bit of a disconnect between the level of sport, but um, but but ultimately I think the point is valid that um, that the tabloid press certainly have a an impact on uh, elite athletes at least remaining closeted. Yeah, and I was going to ask, I mean, so, I mean, why do you think that there's this reality on the ground of athletes, male athletes, pretty much uniformly, the stories that we tell, experiencing wide acceptance among teammates and their communities coming out, but then, you know, we look at still a lack of active, openly gay male athletes in U.S. male team sports, and certainly in the U.K. as well with the Premier League, as you mentioned, why do you think that there remains this very stark disconnect? Uh, in terms of the reality versus why we don't have any, is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting question, but it's it's so stark. Yeah. Um, I think first of all to to, to mention the the research that, that Adam and Luis uh, and, and I did. Obviously, we focus on a non elite sample. Um, in the elite, in elite sports, again, certainly in football um, or soccer, um, we have at the very top level of the game, at least, and it's I'm sure comparable with other sports as well. Um, uh, you know, particularly uh, perhaps U.S. sports. I don't know the, uh, the the context as well as I do um, when it comes to to, to soccer. Um, but th but these guys have to travel to parts of the world where um, attitudes towards homosexuality in broader society are far more conservative than um, than the West. Um, and so, for instance, the last Men's World Cup was in Russia, where of course we know. Right that attitudes are not only uh, far more conservative, but also getting progress progressively. They, 
They have no gay people in Russia, I thought. Well, of course, there is that too. There is that too. Um, and of course, so you, you throw that into the mix and you also think, well, hey, hang on a minute. Where's the next Men's World Cup? Well, it's in Qatar. Um, and equally, we are talking about a country which um, uh, homosexual right. attitudes towards homosexuality are, again, problematic. Um, I think remain illegal in some quarters, in some parts of the country. And so against that kind of backdrop and, and, and with that, kind of in, um, you know, against that backdrop, it's a, an extremely kind of problematic um, situation for a game and athlete. And of course, we're talking about a, a quadrennial tournament. Um, even every single football season, um, players have to travel to, uh, to to countries, again, for like pre-season tours or post-season tours or international club competitions like the Champions League, again, where attitudes might potentially remain far more conservative compared to the UK or the US um, and so on. And of course, they also play and compete um, both with and against, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, with and against athletes from those parts of the world as well. Um, and so there's this kind of international hypothesis that, that undoubtedly complicates uh, matters, you know, it kind of murkies the waters, it muddies the waters, if you like, um, in terms of coming out. So I think, you know, the, the, the obvious kind of suggestion, at least the, the frequent claim we hear about is how there is this um, homophobia problem. Um, but in fact, in elite sport, at least, it is far more complex. Um, I would go as far to say that actually homophobia may well exist in a small um, in, in a small quantity, however you want to kind of quantify it. Um, but there are, of course, bigger issues um, that, that will complicate a coming out story as well, like the internationalization of, of professional sport. That that's a great point. It's something that I actually never considered in terms of soccer, at least. Um, doesn't quite explain, though. I know you know what's happening here in the U.S. We had Colin Martin, who is yeah. an active, openly gay uh, soccer player, pro soccer player, and he said this week that he doesn't think there's ever been a better time to come out. He doesn't know why he's the only one still. Um, you know, in these U.S. sports, they're traveling domestically. It just uh, at this point, it seems to be. It's just very strange because uh, I don't really see a reason why. An, an athlete would would think that coming out would you know it'd be a big deal but it wouldn't be that big a deal I mean here it really would I, I just it's so hard to explain in U.S. sports at least that disconnect yes absolutely um and, and like you know I, I don't know the U.S. context as well um but obviously they are traveling um uh, domestically perhaps more than than sports in the U.K. um so I would really only kind of be speculating, but but I, I would all I can really say is that I kind of agree with your point. I think it's I would absolutely also agree with Colin Martin. I don't right. think that there has ever been a, a better time for um, a, an elite male athlete to come out. Um, it's it, it's also complex as well because I think um, you know there are potential other reasons why we might not see uh, an elite uh, gay male athlete come out of the closet as well. It, it, on top of the international hypothesis international hypothesis you know this idea perhaps that um that gay men might not necessarily compete in high numbers in elite uh, in elite sport um and that's something again that uh, that my friend and colleague eric anderson has written about in the past um you know this idea that uh, uh this idea that you know once we kind of 
problematize or critique perhaps the statistics of how difficult it is to become a professional athlete in the first place and then we further scrutinize that figure with the amount of uh, the percentage of lgbt folk and then further narrow in on the number of gay male folk and then also perhaps throw into the mix the fact that there are cultural conditions so gay men are overrepresented in other areas and therefore, as a consequence, going to be underrepresented in, in sports. So we see a higher proportion, perhaps, of gay men in theatre and in dance. Um, so, you know, and, and to, uh, to, to use Eric's words, gay men are not a finite resource. Um, so they, they can't exist, obviously, in great numbers in every single quarter. And that's not to say that they don't exist in, uh, in elite US um, sport. Um, but I think it's potentially a lower number than we than we might i don't think it's as simple as saying right well there are x number of professional male athletes in the u.s and there are you know x percent of the population identifies as as lgbt right right. so there must be x amount of gay athlete it doesn't work that way yeah absolutely Yeah. yeah yeah that that's interesting as well um so i i well let me ask this if there's pushback on your study i think it would be people saying uh well of course the stories told on Outsports are overwhelmingly positive because people with positive experiences are the ones prone to share. There's a selection bias here. I know you touched upon this mm-hmm. in the study as well, but what would be your response to that? Um, I would say that's a, first of all, I would say that's probably, there may be some validity to that point. Um, you know, we, uh, first of all, though, um, sorry, first of all, there may be some validity to that point. Um, second of all, this was a sample that we selected. This was the first 60 athletes that we came across on Outsports in 2016. So there's no, you know, we certainly didn't filter out any negative stories. Um, but Alex, you would know better than I, better than I as well, um, that uh, that our, I'm sure Outsports do potentially publish negative stories. We do, um, yes. So it's not that they don't exist. Um, there may well be, of course, some kind of methodological weakness to the to the study that. Um, that we've produced in this, you know, that, that we produced. Um, but, um, but, but I think, you know, it's important to note as well that, that there are, that there were athletes in our study, albeit in a very small number who did have some negative experiences. And also I think it's important to note that we're talking about these guys coming out to their teammates and uh, readers of Outsports, of course, no, don't you of course need telling that the, that the, the closet is, um, is fluid and coming out as a process. So because they're out to their teammates doesn't mean that they were necessarily out to their family, for example. And again, there were a small number of, of athletes in our sample who hailed from um, religious backgrounds, uh, a, a variety of religions. Um, and I think, you know, from memory, I'm pretty sure they spoke a little bit um, I might be conflating this with another study, but from memory, I'm pretty sure they were they kind of spoke a bit about being out to teammates, but not potentially to their family, because, of course, there were these kind of religious issues that complicated things. Um, but ultimately, it's, you know, it, 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 I think it's important to note that, um, you know, that these the, the vast majority of uh, of of athletes that we focused on in the article, but also more broadly are enjoying these more positive experiences and that's also consistent with a significant body of other scholarly research as well which points towards these inclusive environments yeah absolutely and with and you know we talk about the future i have been saying this for a long time i really think that you know how do we get more openly gay athletes and male team sports i think it's going to be kids who are already out just join these leagues and join start playing sports as out people 
Um, you know, they come out in high school or college, same thing in the UK. I really think that is kind of the way forward versus waiting for somebody who's already established in an elite league to come out after he's made it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I, I think it's also interesting to note that, um, and um, apologies because I'm going back to soccer again because my yeah, head yeah. also. No, that's it. okay. Um, but uh, a friend of mine and a colleague of mine, Jamie Cleland, who, who now works at the University of South Australia, uh, and one of his colleagues, Ellis Cashmore, um, published a study way back in 2011, um, which focused on British soccer fans' attitudes towards homosexuality in football and gay players coming out, etc., uh, in men's football, of course. Um, and one of their findings um, was that the you know, that the vast majority of their three and a half thousand sample believed that there would be um, an openly gay player in the men's game by 2015. Uh, so it's really interesting that five years on, aside from salacious gossip, aside from potentially phony Twitter accounts, we are no closer, at least in soccer, to having an openly gay male player. But that doesn't mean, of course, that the culture isn't ready because all the research points towards the fact uh, that it is ready. The culture is ready. Same thing in the U.S. I mean, we had Michael Sam come out before the NFL draft in 2014. Jason Collins, a professional basketball player, 2013. Um, so we had this kind of like little flurry. And since then, even as cultural attitudes have become even more open and inclusive and supportive than they were half a decade ago, it, it, we haven't yeah. seen movement here either. It's, yeah. I also think that maybe speaks to the point that, um, again, gay men are a finite resource. Um, and because a number of them came out is in 2013, I think flurry is a great word. Um, you know, it means that maybe more, uh, so maybe that fewer, fewer will come out after that. Obviously, that's a long time ago now, 2013. But if I remember correctly, um, I think Outsports themselves described to 2013, I think, as the year of the gay male athlete. Yes. Uh, you might want to correct me on that. Is it definitely 2013? I think so. 13 or 14. Yeah. Um, and so perhaps, again, that's maybe the reason why we've seen fewer come out more recently. Um, but of course that is some time ago now. So, but, but I also think you're absolutely right. Um, we, it would be um, an ideal situation to have, you know, younger elite athletes coming through the ranks um, who are already openly gay um, and therefore don't need to kind of make this enormous announcement um, that often kind of surrounds um, these kinds of stories. And uh, what's the so what's the next step and next phase of your research, Rory, as we move forward? So uh, yeah, I'm working on numerous projects at the moment uh, in respect to LGBT inclusion in sport. Um, I think the most um, high profile uh, of, of my research personally is um, ongoing research that I'm doing on the experiences of LGBT football fans, soccer fans. Um, again, we, we've heard all sorts of of um, uh, kind of suggestions and claims that, that football is a and, and sports more broadly is a is a problematic environment. Of course, that's fueled by by again some of the discussions and some of the things we've spoken about in you know, lack of out gay players in the men's game. Um, but there's no scholarly research whatsoever um, on the experience of LGBT fans. So I'm in the process at the moment of of working on that. I'm slowly making my my way through. Uh, through mounds of data um, and uh, and again the kind of preliminary results um, of that project again point towards this idea of of broad inclusion of LGBT fans um, of course there are there are some kind of caveats to that but but the overarching feeling is is, is one of positivity and inclusion 
Rory McGrath, he is uh, an associate professor of equality and diversity in the UK. Um, Rory, thanks for coming on uh, the show. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Alex. Thank you for having me. So thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Geeky Podcast. I'm going to mention it a million times. Episode number 40, which is the new 30, but 40 for us with this podcast because it means we've done this together for 40 weeks. Let's talk to you next week, next Saturday, as always. Uh, if you have any ideas for the show, feel free to drop me a line on Twitter, at AlexReamer1. That, again, is at AlexReamer1. Against my better judgment, my Twitter DMs are open. I'll talk to you on there and talk to you next on the show next weekend.